And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he did not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw him, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give, it, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Briefly, our guest speaker today, and I'm sure he will fill in all of the gas. Gap. Scott during the morning, and I will invite him. Pastor Biak, or affectionately known as Pastor B, um, we met simply last year. He came to speak at our retreat that we had, and ever since then, I've been um, honored to see how the Lord has used him. Uh, he's a man who goes around all over the country uh, speaking at retreats. And he's a man who has a passion for the Lord and a gifted uh, evangelist, if I may say that. And uh, he's right now under care in our denomination, the PCA, uh, at uh, Ponce Presbyterian Church in Decatur, Georgia. And I count him as my brother, so Pastor B, why don't you come up here and give us the Lord a word. I don't know if y'all know this, but uh, it is Pastor Appreciation Month. So uh, let's give our brother a hand. Marvelous Shepherd. Uh, if I was that too young, I'd be in bed. <laughs> I would not be here. Uh, praise the Lord. Most importantly, the presence of the Lord this morning. Uh, before I uh, share the word of life with you all. I'd like to introduce to you my wife. She's not here today. It's my wife, uh, Nicole, otherwise known as Nikki. Uh, she is serving at uh, Ponce Presbyterian Church. She is the worship director and leader. Uh, she's praying for us right now. Uh, she wishes she could be here. Uh, not, I, only, I showed this photo not only to show her off and to let you guys know she's my wife, but it has something to do with our message today. Because our message has a lot to do with charity, uh, mercy, and justice. And when you talk about these issues, it definitely cross, crosses the, 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 the racial barriers. But as people of God, Nikki and myself, we are understanding in our marriage that, sure, it has something to do with race, but the people of God know it's not exclusively about race. It's always about grace. It's always about grace. The people of the Bible, the Jewish people thought it was about race. But they found out, some of them the hard way, the wrong way, that it is about grace. I want to give you guys a working definition of grace before we proceed and we unpack this passage. 
There's a rapper named Shaolin, and he gave us a rap. Uh, he gave us an acronym on Grace, G R A C E. And so I'm going to tell you what Grace means according to this acronym, G R A C E. God's riches at Christ's expense is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. The title of this message is uh, More Money, More Problems. I didn't know what, what the flavor of this room was. Uh, uh, originally, my title was Money in a Thing, right? But I didn't know, I didn't know how in tune you were to the hip-hop culture or hip-hop world. So I, it should be more money, more problems. For those who know the song. Uh, but uh, just wanted to engage you guys a little bit. We see a man who discovers uh, that the more money he has, the more problems. Uh, even though he has everything, he constantly is reminded, like we are as consumerists, uh, no matter how much we buy, no matter how much we obtain and possess, at the end of the day, we're, we're still me, right? I'm just me. Uh, Zacchaeus is an interesting character to me because he is a Jewish man who uh, works for the enemy. He works for the Roman Empire. Now, coming, coming from an urban context, I come, I come from Baltimore City. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia about a year ago. So I'm from Baltimore City, Maryland. And... Uh, just coming from a, a drug-invested and a drug-dealing background, uh, I know how your own people, I'm Korean, I know how your own people, other Korean people, look at you when you are polluting and destroying uh, their respective community. Uh, there's a saying, you know, you don't go to the bathroom where you eat. Right? Don't go to the bathroom. That's not how it goes. I can't say the real version. Okay? <laughs> but you, know, you don't go to the bathroom where you eat, right? And um, Zacchaeus was very much doing that because he was a tax collector and he was a betrayer. He was a traitor. Because using the drug analogy again, I'm not saying it's ever acceptable to sell drugs, but if you are to sell drugs, if you must sell drugs, then you should sell drugs outside of your community. Right? You don't want to sell drugs to your next door neighbor, you don't want to sell drugs to your relatives, you know, your grandparents, or people you grew up with. There are still uh, rules of conduct or honor even amongst thieves or criminals. Well, Zacchaeus was known as a nefarious figure in his community because he didn't just it's so it'll be okay to like Robin Hood and steal from the enemy, but he stole from his own people. Okay? He collected taxes for the Roman Empire, the, the emperor, and he would jip or or he would extort money from his own countrymen. Us being uh, mostly Asian American in this room. Uh, and it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are or what nationality you are. You know what it feels like when someone you grew up with, someone you are closely familiar with, betrays you or wounds you. It feels like you're torn asunder. 
It feels awkward. Therefore, Zacchaeus, in the eyes of Jewish people, was worse than a prostitute uh, for some people. That he was worse than the Roman people who oppressed the Jews because he was their own kin, their own ilk, uh, betraying uh, their countrymen. Uh, with that in mind, uh, I would like to pray and ask God for help. For anyone who may feel this way, um, lost like Zacchaeus, uh, if you're new today, uh, I invite you to pray with us to the God who doesn't try to save or almost saves, but saves. And so Lord, uh, let's, let, let's go to this Lord. Let's go to our God. Lord, we go knowing that if you do not show up, if you do not speak, then all of this is futile. All of this is hollow. God, we recognize today that we were once lost like Zacchaeus. Maybe we're not, we were not lost in the love of money, but we were lost in something else. Status, fame, perfection, achievement, success. We were lost in the love of something else. Lord, show us again and again that even though we are in Christ, we can still experience gracelessness. We can still experience unbelief. For those who are outside of Christ this morning, would you be kind and prove to those in here that they need you, that you are the Savior? We don't make you Lord and Savior. You are. It's not with our permission that we make you King Jesus. Every knee and every knee will bow one day, Lord, that you are the Messiah, that you are the, the one from God. Lord, we pray this morning that we will know you today as Savior, not later as judge. That we will know you today as Savior. We don't want to know you later as judge. For you sent your son into this world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. We thank you so much for your good news, for the grace of Jesus Christ, and may we move forward believing that you are speaking directly to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, I'll give you guys a, a, a working definition of grace, and I'll give you a little explanation of why Zacchaeus was known as a vile and an unwanted figure. But at the end of the story, verse 10, Jesus looks at Zacchaeus in front of the crowd and declared that this man, too, is a son of Abraham, stating he's a Jew. And he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, what does it mean to be lost? I think for those who have been church, who grew up in the church, we have forgotten what this word means. What does it mean to be lost? We, we, we hear this word often, especially on the news or uh, on the internet. Um, we hear sad reports of how someone has lost their child. 
someone has lost a loved one, someone has lost even their mind. We hear stories like that too. But the saddest thing in all the world is what Jesus is talking about in this verse and in many passages of the gospel. The saddest thing in this world is to be a lost soul. It is not to lose your money. It is not even to lose your spouse or to lose in dignity in your community. The saddest thing in all the world, according to the gospel of Christ, is to be a lost soul. Are you lost this morning? Because the Bible a terrible darkness and tragedy of being lost. The word lost might very well be the darkest word in the human language. It may be the most distressing word for someone like me. If you're a Christian today, and you know lost people, which you surely do, it should also cause you distress. Could it cause our Lord Jesus Christ distress? So let's go back to the question. What does it mean to be lost? To be lost means to be outside of God. To be separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. To be lost means you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if a person dies without Jesus as their Savior, then according to the Bible, John 3.16, they perish. Which also could be translated eternally lost. My mother and father and my little brother are not Christians this morning. They are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. If they were to perish tonight, expire, they would be eternally lost. Just like I would be without His grace. I don't know what kind of sins you are dealing with this morning. They could be unthinkable. They could be the most absurd and foul. But I want to tell you this morning that there is hope for you. Because there is no greater sin than not to see your need of Christ. There is no greater sin than unbelief. All other sins God can take care of. See, Jesus, Jesus came to save the lost. Jesus is a friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. The, the idolatry or the or the pseudo-savior in Zacchaeus' life was money. Money. Jesus tells us on the Sermon on the Mount, and especially in Matthew chapter 6, that you cannot serve God and money. You cannot have two masters. You will love one and hate the other. You cannot love God and money. Jesus says, that money is a root to all kinds of evil. Paul says that in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 
But the word of Christ says that money is the root of all kinds of evil. The funny thing about money is that when you look at a bill, a dollar bill, five dollar bill, ten dollar bill, even money says, don't trust me. It gotta be trust. <laughs> right? Even when you look at money, money says, don't trust me, homie. Trust God. Trust God. But let's be frank. We look at the title of the sermon, More Money, More Problems. What we say? Well, give me more money because I want those problems. Right? We want, I want those problems. Yeah, as I said, I grew up in, in, in uh, a hip hop culture. Uh, hip hop was my God at one time. It taught me how to walk, it taught me how to talk, it taught me how to be. Right? Somebody called that. Right? Um, and it taught me through this song by uh, a group called Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, <laughs> cash rules everything around me. Right? Cream. That's an acronym they use. Cash rules everything around me. Because you know what I discovered as a Christian about my past and my relationship with money? Reality is relational. Reality is relational. And I know nowadays marijuana is legal in, um, in, 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 in many states, but money is sort of like marijuana. Marijuana is a gateway drug. Money is a gateway idol. It shows you all the things you really love, you actually love more than God. Because the goal of God is to cause his people to treasure him, right? To love him supremely. We know the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Absolutely. Inexhaustibly. But our hearts continue to pursue other lovers. We want significance and security without God. We want significance and security without God. The text does not tell us why Zacchaeus became a tax collector. But the text tells us that he wasn't just any kind of tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. He was like a kingpin. Or, or a drug lord. He wasn't just selling nickels and dimes. This boy was pushing weight, okay? All right? Again, a drug metaphor, okay? If you caught that, you caught that, right? So he wasn't just a, he worked himself up the ladder. He had achieved. You know what's the thing about achievement and significance and security is that a lot of times our achievement supplants our name, right? Like, if you want to become a doctor, you don't really care about the, your birth name anymore. You, you care about that name you achieved, doctor, lawyer. And whether you like it or not, whether it was uh, done through um, being famous or being infamous, Zacchaeus had achieved a status. Maybe not unprecedented, but 
was a high status. When I was growing up in Baltimore City, I don't know why I became a criminal. I still don't, I don't comprehend what caused me to commit crimes. But if I were to oversimplify it, I, I, I would have to boil it down to this. Belonging, community. He is a Jewish man growing up around Jewish people, but he betrayed Jewish men and women. For some reason, Zacchaeus must have felt a belonging or a community with the tax collectors and the sinners more than the religious, more than the church, more than the chosen. Before I, I really try to exegete this passage, I just want to challenge you guys with this question if you're a Christian this morning. Are you approachable? Are you approachable? Because when I was a younger Christian, I thought to be holy, to be righteous, to be a Christian meant to be uh, unapproachable. You know, like, oh, you know, you're a pastor, you're a deacon, you're an elder, you're a Bible study teacher. I can't cuss around you. I can't tell dirty jokes around you. I can't wild out around you. I can't be myself. But then I met Jesus. And I said, Jesus is most righteous. Jesus is most holy. Jesus is God. And yet the sinners flocked to him. The sinners ran to him. Jesus was most holy, yet most approachable. This is a sign of our belief in Christ, when we are approachable to those who are living in sin, or living in sin that is different from ours. Maybe greed is not your sin this morning. Maybe it's not the love of money. But we all try to find significance and security without God. And so Jesus came and rescued Zacchaeus by the riches of his grace. See, in order to be rescued for the love of money or from the love of something, you must experience something superior. You must experience something that expels your former love. And so Zacchaeus encountered Jesus. And here's the three things that I see in this text on how God rescued Zacchaeus, a lost man. The first thing we see in this text in verses 1 and 2 is the reservation. We see the reservation. Jesus had about 72 hours to live, if that, maybe less. And what did Jesus do with those few days he had left? He made a reservation with a tax collector. The second thing we see in this passage is the request. The request. In verse, in verse 5, we see Jesus making a request to Caius. So we're going to look at that a little bit more later. And lastly, we see the results. So I try to use alliteration. We see the reservation, 
the request, and the result. Those are our three points today. The reservation, the request, and the results. The reservation. You know, sometimes we look at salvation, we look at the way God saves people, we look at the way God saves our own respective lives, and we don't want to use the word accident, we don't like to use the word random, but sometimes it feels that way. It feels accidental, it feels coincidental, but it is not. It is a divine appointment, it is providential. We see in verse 1 that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus is on what I like to call a layover. Yeah, you guys have flown, right? You, you've had a layover. Uh, I'm sure Pastor Young just had a layover. Right? His final destination is Jerusalem. His final destination is Calvary. But Jesus decided voluntarily to take this detour, this layover through Jericho. And he wasn't there to meet a prestigious man or an upright man, but a defamed and despicable I used to visit a young man in prison every week. I used to, um, I used to go and visit him his name is Scott. He's no longer there, by the grace of God. And I remember taking time out to visit Scott every week, and I'm not kidding you. There were people in the church that asked me, why are you visiting Scott? You could be spending your time doing better things, like visiting our church members like counseling the members of our community or preparing sermons. Jesus entered Jericho and passed through because he has a reservation with a sinner. When I was 15 years old, I thought it was random. I thought it was coincidental. I decided to go to church one day, not because I wanted to know Jesus, but because I was a Korean-American who grew up in a black neighborhood. And at age 15, I was going through puberty. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, right? Yeah, it is funny. Puberty is a funny time. I was going through puberty, and I came to the, like this epiphany. I'm not black. <laughs> Revelation. I'm not black. Right? I'm Korean. I'm Korean. And I decided to go to a Korean church in order to meet more Koreans. Not to meet Jesus. Now I thought I was looking for something bigger than me. Maybe not God, but I was looking for something bigger than me. But no, it was, it was God the whole time that was actually looking for me. Jesus made a reservation with me through the word of God. By the power of the word of God, I have heard numerous times. I grew up in the United States. I, I heard this 
So many times, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I mean, I watch sports. I see people thanking Jesus all the time. But on that particular God reserved that sermon for me. And I heard Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I didn't just hear Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, my neighbor's sins, or people of potential. People of God. Great things for God. No, I heard, people, I heard Jesus died on the cross for me. And I believe. I believe. See, God makes reservations just like he does with Zacchaeus. Maybe today is your day of salvation. Or when you recount your day of salvation, do not take it lightly. Rejoice in the Lord. Delight in him. Ask him to renew the joy of your salvation. And renew a steadfast spirit within you because it was not of your doing. We have contributed nothing to our salvation but the sin that made it necessary. <laughs> you think Jesus sought the kids because he was special? Special sinners? No. Just because. Because he is God. He made a reservation with his tax collector. The next thing we see in this passage is the request. And I'd like to read this request um, starting from verse 3. It says that Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was vertically challenged. Right? It was small. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a see him, for he was about to pass that way. But, but, and when Jesus came to the place, the secret discoveries he had sought, right? And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, The case, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received Christ joyfully. And when they saw it, they meaning the crowd, the religious leaders, they saw it, they all muttered under their breath or grumbled, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They got that, they got one thing right. They got one thing right. He, he is a sinner. Now, the request. Now, what is the most terrifying truth in the Bible? I'm going to just give you a little, uh, you know, just a little riddle, theological trivia, whatever you want to call it. What is the most terrifying truth in the Bible? Not many would claim it is hell. Many would suggest it is sin. Some would say it is the devil. But I would contest that the most terrifying truth in the Bible is this. God is good. And why is that the most terrifying truth in the Bible? Because we are not. Because we are not. 
the text doesn't tell us the emotions and the, and the internal feelings of Zacchaeus, but it does give us hints that he was so poor, all he had was money. One way we know that is that Zacchaeus ran. The text tells us that he ran, verse 4, ahead. Why is this significant? Historically, wealthy people, dignitaries, diplomats, people of high class and status did not run. They would not run in public. They would just wouldn't run. Why? Because it was a sign of insignificance. It was a sign of childlikeness. And not only did he run, which he wasn't supposed to do, he climbed a tree. He climbed a tree. Now, the case was which you could call vulnerable on that tree because of its attire. Okay, I'm just going to use my sanctified imagination. All right. So I know that Zacchaeus was rocking a robe. Okay, okay. That's that's how they dressed back then. And so Zacchaeus is running, his little feet just you know going, his little feet running of beneath uh, the robe, and then he climbs a tree. Now. I don't know if they wore underwear back then. I don't know what kind of undergarments they had on, but he's up a tree, and there's a crowd, and he's rocking a robe. He's in a vulnerable position, if you know what I mean. Right? I see you, Zacchaeus. <laughs> I see you, right? <laughs> But this is the study of this passage. In, a previous, in the previous chapter, Jesus told his disciples that unless you have faith like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Unless you have faith like a child, you will never see the face of God. You will never see the kingdom of God. And here is Zacchaeus with much cloud great significance, even though it was done through incriminating means, acting like a child, looking for Jesus. But Jesus finds Zacchaeus and tells him to come down that tree, for I must stay in your house. Jesus, the only cat who invites himself over. <laughs> I can't do that, you can't do that. But he's Lord of Lords, right? And he just invites himself over to Caius' house. Now, what is the significance of this, this request? What is the significance of this? Well, one thing I want you guys to understand about this request to come down uh, this tree, it's not simply the request to come down the tree or how to come down the tree, hurry. But I think it's how Jesus made the request. Now, I don't really know what my name means. My, my Korean name is Ham Byung Yong. Okay, it's really hard to say, and I can't speak Korean well. Uh, my name is Ham Byung Yong. Uh, I think the middle 
How stereotypical. And my last name is much me. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know why. Okay? Okay? My first name, oh. some say it means bottle. Right? <laughs> some say my first name means bottle. You know, Korean, Byung, it might mean bottle. Some other people say it doesn't, it doesn't mean bottle. Your name means disease. <laughs> Your name means disease. Now, they're just kidding. I don't know what my first name means. But Zacchaeus' name means pure and undefiled. Did you know that? Zacchaeus' name means pure and undefiled. But guess what? He did not live up to his name. He achieved another name, an infamous brandy. I don't know if you were a bully like me growing up. I was a bully. I was not the victim. I was the victimizer growing up, unfortunately. And I remember how I would bully people, how I would how I marginalize them and antagonize them. I would call them according to what they've achieved. <laughs> Mostly bad things. So if there was a, a, a young lady who had a bad reputation, particularly sleeping around a lot, promiscuity, then I would no longer call her by her first name. I would call her by other names. If there was a guy that was bad at basketball, right, he was a pathetic athlete, I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't call him by his name anymore. I would call him other names. What he earned, what he had achieved. He earned that name. You're a bum. You're a scrub. And you earned it. Well, guess what he's earned? He didn't earn Zacchaeus. That name means pure and undefiled. He didn't earn that name. So what name did he earn? Tax collector. The text, the narrator, Luke, presents him as a tax collector, a name that he had actually achieved and earned. The name that we have earned it's not saints. It is not beloved. It is not child of God. That is not the name we have earned this morning. It is sinner. It is sinner. Now this word is not that heavy anymore in the church. Nowadays, people would rather be called a sinner than a racist. Are you call me a sinner? I'm cool with that. Don't call me a racist. Right? Don't call me a racist. Those are fighting words, right? But sinner is equivalent to lost. It's equivalent to lost. But Jesus did not call the kids by the name he earned. Tax collector, come down that tree. Idiot, moron. Stupid, come down that tree. Waste of life, come down that tree. He didn't call him those, he called him by his birth name. Because when a child is 
pregnant with spiritual beliefs in Jewish custom. And when they nestled babies and kids in their bosom, they didn't say, we're going to call him thief. We're going to call him criminal. Right? We're going to call him jailbird. Right? We're, we call him Zacchaeus. And he did not live up to that name. Maybe you have grown up in the church and you have called yourself a Christian your whole life. And you feel guilt and shame because you think, I've called myself a Christian or a follower of Christ my whole life, but I'm nothing like it. I fall short. This is good news for you. You don't have to live up to that name. You don't have to live up to that status because the gospel of grace declares in order to be saved, to become a Christian, it is something you receive, not something you achieve. Grace is not about what you achieve. It is about what you receive. And, and Zacchaeus comes down that tree and receives Christ joyfully. I don't know how Zacchaeus felt in front of God, but I know that before, he was probably terrified. Because what would a good God want to do with me? Or why would a good God want to be with me? Why me? And you know what Grace says back? Why not? When you become a Christian, you say, why me, right? Out of all the billions of people. And Grace says, why not? Why not you? And we close with this last thought, the result of grace or the result of a new relationship. You see mercy and justice displayed in the life of the kids. The inevitable sign of real faith is displaying mercy and justice. Look at what happened after the kids came down the tree and received Christ joyfully. Verse 8 says that Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it four times the amount, or fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. He didn't say, If you live like this, salvation has come, will come to your house. He said, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. My friends, if you are uh, trying to achieve God's love for you this morning, I want to let you know that holiness is not the way to Jesus. But Jesus is the way to holiness. Did you catch that? Holiness, social justice, being woke, these things are not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to true righteousness, holiness, charity, and mercy. It was through the love of Christ that Zacchaeus gave away his money, charity, and rectified 
He made all his wrongs right. This is the relationship with God. How did I know I had a new relationship with Jesus Christ? How did I know I really had a new relationship with Jesus Christ? Guess what? I had a new relationship with money. I had a new relationship with sex. I had a new relationship with status. I had a new relationship with the Bible. I had a new relationship with sin. All because of a new relationship with God. Money is a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. Money is a wonderful servant, but it is a horrible master. And so is everything else. Do you know what an idol is? According to Tim Keller, uh, a well-known pastor in PCA, Tim Keller says that idolatry, you know, loving something instead of God, is taking a good thing and making it a God thing. It's taking a Marriage, sex, food, work, grades, taking a good thing and turning it into a God thing. The way I would define idolatry is, is something that makes you feel like a million bucks and then makes you feel bankrupt. <laughs> That's how I would put it. It's something that makes you feel like a million bucks. My brother understands. It's something that makes you feel like a million bucks and then, bam, makes you feel bankrupt. See, I used to love women. I used to love power. I used to love attention. And all those idols, counterfeit, pseudo-saviors, because one moment they would make you feel like a million bucks and then the next hour, I would feel bankrupt. There was like a pendulum swing, and I was tethered to the same thing. How can we untether ourselves from the love of money, and the love of this world, and the love of good things turning into God things? Jesus must become your treasure. But you must see Jesus treasuring you before you can treasure him. And how do you see Jesus treasuring you? Remember, Zacchaeus climbed the tree and Jesus told him, come down that tree. A couple of days later, Jesus climbed the tree. You think Zacchaeus went out on a limb? No. It was Jesus who truly went out on a limb and he stayed on that cross. Nobody told him to come down. If they did, it was just a mock him. How could Jesus cause such a despicable human being, pure and undefiled, because he traded places with him? This is grace. If I could summarize the gospel, in a few words, Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. 
Will you see Jesus in your place, treasuring you? You will remember, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. When you see Jesus treasuring you on the cross, money is just money. It's not everything. I want to talk to the single people in this room for a second. I got married late, very late in life. Uh, I was 37 when I got married. And in an Asian or Korean context like this, I think we have a habit of making other people feel poor. Even though... So I am in Christ. I am his beloved. I am the one whom Jesus loved. But because I was single and married, that we worshiped instead of Jesus in the church, people would look at me and say, oh, you're not married yet. Oh, you are pitiful. <laughs> you, you are so poor. You're not married yet. And when I was younger, I, I didn't go to a good college. I went to community college. And people, because they worshiped grades and academia over Jesus, they would look at me and say, oh, you are pathetic. You go to community college. And, and then you get married, and if you can't have children, which could be us, if you worship children, other people will look at you, or they might look at you and say, oh, can't have children. You will not have a full life. You will not have abundant life. The good news, as I close today, that in Christ, you will never be poor. In Christ, don't let anyone make you feel poor. I was poor when I was lost. I was poor when I didn't have a savior. But I'm not poor anymore. It is Christ who makes me rich. It is Christ. God's riches at Christ's expense. So no matter what your failures or things you are going through today, it does not define you. It does not tell you who you are or how much you're worth. It is the cross. Is the love of God real to you this morning, or is it just an abstraction? Is the love of money more real to you? Is the love from money, the love from status, the love from your friends, from your mom and dad, is that more important to you? Because, you know, I married a black woman, and I did not get the love of my mom and dad on my wedding day. And I love the love of my mom and dad, but I did not feel poor on my wedding day. Because I am in Christ. I am in Christ. I will never be lost again. I am always found. I encourage you to believe and trust in this message that is burning.